Welcome to Eric's Perspective. Uh, joining me today is artist, advocate, uh, gallerist, teacher, uh, Alonzo Davis. Alonzo, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Glad to be with you. I appreciate it. So I'm in my gallery in Fullerton, and Alonzo, you are in uh, Prince George's County, in, Maryland, right? Yeah, I'm in uh, Hyattsville, Maryland. I have a studio in um, um, Mount Rainier and uh, uh, Brentwood, Maryland. I have two spaces I'm working out of right now. Oh, yeah. excellent. Excellent. Okay. So, Alonzo, I thought I'd just um, get us started by um, sort of beginning with the beginning. Um, as I understand it, you and your brother both. By the way, do you have any other siblings? Is it just you and Dale? No, just the two of us. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, as I understand, you guys were, were, were born uh, and raised in uh, Alabama. Is that right? Right, Tuskegee. Um, we were born, actually, on the campus, Tuskegee Institute. Ah, excellent. Johnny, okay. Johnny Andrews Hospital, yeah. Ah, excellent. Okay. And between the two of you, uh, you're the oldest, correct? Correct. And your father actually was teaching at Tuskegee. Is that right? Yeah. He, um, he was a graduate of Howard and um, uh, came to uh, Tuskegee, taught psychology and education. Oh, excellent. And did he also practice uh, psychology or was it just mostly? <laughs> On us. <laughs> I love it. Uh, his, his area was child psychology, uh, but he did not practice. Yeah. Okay, excellent. And Tuskegee, of course, founded by um, uh, Booker T. Washington himself, uh, a graduate That's of correct. Hampton Institute. And so it's kind of it's kind of nice to uh, sort of trace back the historically black uh, colleges and universities, the great yeah. role they played in, uh, in, yeah. in a crucial time. Yeah, and still playing. It's interesting that they've uh, continued to um, survive through difficult financial times, and um, and 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 it looks like the two thousands are critical times. Yes, yes, indeed. Yeah. So, what was it like uh, growing up on the campus of uh, Tuskegee? Uh, well, for us, it was great. Um, we had access to almost everything as as kids. It was sort of a, a privileged situation, you know. There was a swimming pool and uh, college campus activities, um, um, and then the neighborhoods were small and semi semi rural, I guess. And so we were privileged to have um, plum trees and cow pastures and uh, Actually, we lived down the street from uh, uh, where Booker T. Washington made bricks for uh, for the campus. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they had a clay-based soil. Uh-huh. And, uh, we called it uh, Dead Man's Cliff. When I went back, it wasn't that big a deal. But <laughs> as a kid, it was uh, it was a real pit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so how long did you guys live uh, on the campus there? Um, we left um, in 1956, and I was 14, and uh, Dale had to be, uh, um, I guess, 11. Okay. And uh, we migrated to uh, Los Angeles. Our family uh, split as a unit, and so my mom uh, came to um, Los Angeles to work on us at USC and um, library science. 
my dad stayed on campus at Tuskegee for a while and then eventually uh, uh, worked um, uh, with the State Department in uh, Indonesia oh. and then back to uh, the U.S. Uh, at uh, North Carolina Center in uh, Durham. Oh, okay. So, yeah, as a little journey there. Yeah. yeah. And so what was it like in L.A. as opposed to um, Alabama? <laughs> It was a cultural shock in a way. Yeah. Uh, loved it um, and got to meet people of diverse backgrounds. Um, I went to Fauche, which was a junior high school at the time. And uh, there were uh, a lot of uh, African-American kids whose parents had come back from the war mm-hmm. um, and resettled. Um, and uh, we're working in aerospace and uh, rubber industry. Um, there were the Japanese kids, parents had uh, come back from internment camp and uh, they were part of that uh, community. And then a few kids from USC whose parents wanted them to have a public education. So it was an interesting mix and um, I loved it, took art classes. At, uh, at the junior high school and continued to do that through uh, whenever I had an elected through, uh, through school. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so where the, I was just curious, were the schools in LA uh, segregated at the time? I was, was very diverse, okay. very diverse. Okay. Um, neighborhoods were shifting and changing. Um, uh, the Japanese people had returned to properties that uh, were, uh, that they had owned that, were resold or uh, still held in trust for them. Um, uh, USC was in a kind of changing demographic. Um, And um, let's see, um, not as uh, Hispanic uh, students at the time. Mm -hmm. Now that neighborhood is uh, predominantly uh, Latino. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, when you think back to it, what, what was the spark that got you interested in art? Did that start before you moved to LA or after you got there? Um, in elementary school, um, called the Chambliss children's house and they had student teachers from the college. And, uh, one of my instructors, uh, was an architect student and he taught uh, drawing and, um, so I ended up doing a lot of landscapes um, and finding that very rewarding. And then subsequently had a lady named Miss Huff at Fauche and then, and then on to Dorsey High School where I was a science major but had enough credits um, with electives um, to combine it with art. So oh, okay. um, I came out of there with a science and art major. Oh, okay. Did you pursue it uh, in college as well? Well, you know, the doctor lawyer uh, syndrome in the family (laughs) was saying, no, you can't be an artist. Um, And so I went, I transferred to, I didn't transfer. I I went, coming out of high school, I was kind of insecure and not really knowing where, where, what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. So I went to LA City College and um, um, 
really had some great learning experiences there. And one of them was um, uh, just happened to be a design class in my second semester. And uh, so I switched from social sciences to art and told my parents that um, I, I'm going to be an art major. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> How did they receive that information? Well, um, my dad was okay with it. He just said, as long as you get a teaching credential, go for it. Ah. So I transferred to Pepperdine um, and um, got a degree um, in art and art education and subsequently went to USC to get a uh, California teaching credential. And I did work in uh, LA, um, LA City Schools, LAUSD for about five years. Yeah. So I had a solid foundation and, um, we, you know, we coming out of uh, Tuskegee, we were kind of entrepreneurial kids. We, we grew up in a mindset where, um, you know, you do your own thing, you can be successful, it's nothing holding you back. So Gale sold crickets and worms to fishermen, make his little money. And uh, I sold coat hangers and, um, pop bottles back to the laundry and the grocery store and uh, um, probably <laughs> bought too much candy. <laughs> <laughs> the temptation is just too great. Right? <laughs> but, but we are, we had that kind of, uh, you know, little hustle side hustle uh, <laughs> coming out of uh, that kind of a community of uh, Self-made people. Well, yeah. yeah, that kind of is in line with uh, Booker T. Washington's whole thing, yeah. right? I mean, he was kind of, yeah. kind of yeah. ho holding that up as the, as the goal to achieve to to get yeah. to that point, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, that's uh, that's, Very much, yeah. that's yeah. yeah, I mean, you don't realize it at the time, but it oh yeah does uh, attach itself to you. Yeah, and that's funny about it too, because like you say, you don't realize it at the time, and as an adult, I know I find this in myself too. Sometimes you kind of see those things that weren't apparent when it was happening, but looking back on it, you can see the influence. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. At what point did you guys decide? So you and Dale decided to open a gallery, but that was in the, uh, as I think, as I remember, it's the late sixties, right? Yeah. You know, the, um, the education we got, um, at Pepperdine, uh, USC was, devoid primarily of African artists, um, you know, just art history, um, kind of glanced through um, Egypt, uh, landed in Mesopotamia, and then the rest was uh, Western European with a little Japanese uh, printmaking uh, thrown in. So we knew coming out of that kind of education system in the South that they were artists of color. So in 66, we took a ride, a summer trip across the United States to meet the artists that we knew of. So we first stop was um, a visit with Gene Grigsby in Phoenix, Arizona. He was out of Morehouse. Yeah. Uh, we also visited uh, TSU in uh, uh, Houston, stopped through Dallas, went to Jackson, Mississippi, um, at Jackson State that was a muralist um that we met um then we went to our hometown of tuskegee and it changed a lot but 
uh, there, George Washington Carver was also an artist. And um, so there was that history of, of that, plus a few of the other people that it, uh, were in Tuskegee. Lane Freeman Thomas was a, an artist that we knew. And uh, um, then from there, we went to Atlanta um, as some of the, I did a visit on the AU, Atlanta University campuses. Um, and our grandparents had finished uh, Clark and uh, um, the other school's name right now. But um, anyway, we were exploring the collection we had, then up to see our dad in uh, North Carolina. Uh, Howard University, we visited uh, Howard's art department and also met a guy um, that had a guy named Tapa Karu here in the Washington DC area that um, uh, had an entrepreneur uh, store with all kinds of things that um, uh, created things that were, were being created by African-Americans in Philly. Then New York, uh, we met Romare Bearden and he took us around to meet a bunch of other artists. Um, uh, and then uh, towards the way back, we swung through Detroit and Chicago and um, a lot of murals in Chicago. We had an art student, art, a cousin who was in the graphic arts in, uh, in Detroit. Um, and then somewhere on that drive between Chicago and the cornfields and the desert, we say, oh, it would be nice if we opened a gallery. Wouldn't that be fun? You know, yeah. two young kids, young men. I maybe was 24 and my deal would be uh, 21, somewhere around there. Uh -huh. um, and it was just a dream. Um, and we got back to LA and I went to work and he went back to college. And uh, um, the vision didn't reappear until uh, maybe a half a year later. Uh -huh. And I'm talking with a guy in Lamert Park about, um, uh, you know, we're talking about art. He was teaching at the Watchtowers Art Center and uh, he said, oh, you ought to look down the street. There's a great uh, space that could make a studio in a little display area. And uh, I liked it, you know, and uh, so I went back home to my mom and said, uh, I want to rent a space. Maybe we could do a, a business there. And uh, she said, boy, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this experience. And uh, she was right. Um, but I was persistent. She said, well, if you really want to do this, go get some advice. And there was a, an attorney lived next door named Mr. Parks. And uh, so I took the lease to him and said, uh, you know, what do you think? And he said, oh, I think you boys should go, go for it, do it. And um, so that was enough to get the okay from a parental point of view. And uh, um, six, well, not, quite six months later, but four to five months later, we opened a space in uh, Lemert Park called Brockman Gallery. Excellent, excellent. And so for those who aren't aware, can you explain why you decided to name it Brockman Gallery? Uh, well, it's my brother's middle name, Dale. Okay. Uh, my grandmother's maiden name, Brockman, and it uh, has its history 
back to slavery from uh, South Carolina. Ah, excellent. Okay. Yeah. And so what were some of the, you already talked about overcoming one of the challenges and that's just getting a space, which in and of itself could be a a big challenge. But uh, what were some of the other challenges you faced? Uh, This is now the late sixties and you just opened up a gallery. You know, I mean, I, I try to make light of this, uh, because it's kind of funny now, but we didn't know what the hell we were doing. You know, <laughs> we had yeah, lots of ways to learn. And uh, one of them, you know, is by the seat of your pants. Yes. And uh, so that's, that's, I knew how to, I knew art and I, I knew how to talk to people. And uh, Dale was good with um, the books and the business end, uh, you know, the writing of checks and so forth. So, we made a good team and, um, uh, you know, through trial and error, we, we found our way, uh, into, uh, uh, a community of artists who, uh, were not being seen by the majority community of Los Angeles. And, uh, so we opened the gallery, uh, a lot of the artists that come out of the Watts riots, um, uh, influence and did assemblages and, uh, found objects, uh, types of things. I met, uh, and one led to another. I met Dan Conchala behind an exhibit, behind a library uh, at an outdoor exhibit. And I really liked his work. And he referred me to um, uh, John Outerbridge. I drove out to Altadena to meet John and we connected. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, David Hammonds came by one day and uh, had, uh, body prints that he was doing. Um, um, Marin Epstein, who eventually moved up to Chico, uh, was a printmaker and student of Charles White. And uh, that led us, led us to Charlie and uh, Otis Art Institute connection. And uh, so there was just a lot of networking that happened that was uh, spontaneous and um, uh, it grew from there. And we represented uh, uh, mostly African-American artists, but we also represented the cross-section of uh, uh, Chicano artists, a few Asian artists in that community, and a number of uh, Anglo-American artists who uh, uh, were sympathetic to what we were doing. Um, And we were also members of uh, uh, the Art Dealers Association uh, for a while in LA. you know, we were out, off the big track, but um, uh, a part of the path. And as I recall, too, I remember talking with uh, William Pajot, who was telling me that um, Brockman Gallery was not only representing the artist and showing their work and then selling it to those collectors interested, but it was like a, a gathering place for the artists to come and talk about what they were doing and critique each other's work. Is, is, that, is that an accurate uh, memory of mine? Yeah, you know, that all of that happened. Um, sort of an interesting cross-fluence of uh, cultural energies, people wanting to have a place to interact. Um, and occasionally we would have little forums or, uh, or some of those uh, event activities would uh, take place at someone else's uh, home or studio, mm-hmm. uh, as well as uh, what we hosted. Um, and uh, the entertainment community somehow found us too. Uh, Bill Cosby was uh, represented in, in his sets. And um, 
uh, he liked, uh, especially like Barnett Honeywood's work. Uh, and we were showing her work in the gallery. Uh, Sidney Poitier was uh, uh, involved with visiting us uh, at a reception or two and acquired uh, work from the gallery. Um, so it was um, an interesting mix of, of, of peoples um, who, you know, um, didn't know art or who were um, influenced um, as a result of our, of our presence. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we were sort of the new kids on the block and then another group of uh, 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 young people. And, and we did it for 20 years. And then um, that was that was enough, probably a little bit too long. But uh, <laughs> Well, that's remarkable in and of itself because, you know, <laughs> galleries, I know when I remember when I started my own gallery, I was discouraged from doing so. And uh, people were saying that if you could, uh, the advice I was given was to have enough money to not, to handle not selling anything and making any money for five years. And so that's a well, pretty, that's true. pretty high hurdle, that's right? Really and that true. is that is really true, right? Because it takes it takes a lot to to operate. Yeah, because yeah, you know you gotta you gotta pay the bills and they, they keep coming right. the rent, the utilities, etc. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a big hurdle to overcome. But the fact that you guys made it for twenty years is pretty remarkable in and of itself. It started, you know, I have to admit that uh, I was teaching at Manual Arts High School and Crenshaw High Schools, and Dale was teaching at when he graduated from college. He got a job at um, at Dorsey High School, so we had a little bit of income that we could uh, sure. suffer losses. And, yeah. um, and you know, there were months that you know we didn't sell, um, and there were cases where we would buy a piece of art if an exhibit didn't uh, produce for us financially. Yes, um, and uh, we ended up with a modest collection as a result. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing I just want everyone listening and viewing to to think about just for a second is because now, you know, African American art as a category is 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 really seeing a pretty good light of the day. It might not still be ideal, but it's a lot better than it was. But back then in the '60s and '70s, as you said, part of the reason you you guys even opened the gallery was to give a kind of a fair shot to artists who just were being overlooked and have a professional space i mean it wasn't exactly just, you know it wasn't just it wasn't a community nonprofit organization that you know we really tried to have a uh, a presence in the professional gallery world yes yeah. and so you were like groundbreaking i mean there wasn't anything like that in la at that time right i mean you guys no, no it wasn't so that's a remarkable thing all by itself and you you were able to you were able to accomplish it but i think the added benefit of being a spot where artists could come and, and communicate and form a community in and of itself gives it a little added dimension, I think. Uh, and also I'm thinking too, Lamert Park at that time isn't, wasn't the way we think of it now, right? I mean, it was, uh, there weren't that many places. We were basically it. <laughs> yeah, right. So um, you kind of you formed know, a foundation. There was a meditation center down the street. Yeah. Um, um, but there were, what was interesting, it was kind of like Larchmont is today. Uh, I think it started out as kind of a Jewish merchants district. And then it, as, it, as the community changed, the businesses changed. And um, so there were a number of um, black owned businesses um, in the area. Mm -hmm. 
from hairdressers to uh, a paint shop owner to uh, the Latino across the street who, who did um, um, upholstery, uh, a little laundry man, Chinaman. Um, so it was an interesting kind of uh, transfer of uh, economic juice, if you would. Yeah. Not necessarily artists, but uh, people um, uh, establishing uh, businesses in a, in a, in a in a, in a in a community of a changing de demographic, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because if I remember correctly, uh, that area was, I guess, maybe in the early to mid 20th century, was predominantly white, right? And then there was the so-called so white and uh, um, pretty strong Anglo community and Jewish community. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's it's changed dramatically over the years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then too, I'm just thinking too. You mentioned how David Hammonds was one of the artists, and he was showing his body prints. And uh, I just think about his success now. I mean, the the uh, trajectory from coming to your gallery, showing at your gallery, and so forth, and to where he is at this point is uh, it's really kind of nice to see. Well, you know, it was uh, not only David. Uh, there were other artists too that uh, made made. Um, uh, geographic shift, um, and uh, that proved to to really work for them. Uh, Mel Edwards was one. Uh, Danny Johnson was one. Whether they left LA early, mm -hmm. um, some even before the gallery, um, and reestablished themselves in uh, in the New York area, where um, uh, where they where they uh, I guess had more success with. Uh, sort of a east coast uh crowd and uh well i would uh, think too new york is at least was and maybe still is considered at least for the u.s kind of an art center just in general terms absolutely right? yeah there's a long history and then um you know the studio museum had opened up by that time and um and we did a traveling two traveling shows with ed spriggs through the um, studio museum it um, wasn't where it is now but um um, it had a strong foothold at uh, uh, the, 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 that bottom end of uh, Harlem. Yeah. yeah. Is the Brockman Gallery still operating today? No, no, no. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it... uh, we, we, we would both run into, uh, I can't do this anymore, but each <laughs> other of us would say, well, you know, we really have something good going and and then one day we both said, uh, enough is enough. enough. <laughs> and, uh, so we, we, uh, we, we formed a closing <laughs> <laughs> and the closing was, uh, uh, was an event where we provided chalk for everybody to write on the walls in the space. And, uh, we did not attend <laughs> and uh, people wrote, um, all kinds of things, uh, messages that we hate for you to leave the community, or this is not fair, or you owe us. Oh no! Or if you. <laughs> oh no! Oh, no, that's not. That's not. That's so not good. you know, it was. A... It had the full range of uh, <laughs> of of confluence, if you will. <laughs> and and the one person uh, that we kind of saved for for a while was uh, Betty Sarr had done a drawing on the wall. And uh, so we, we kind of, when we repainted the space, we left her uh, 
her image up. And, oh, fantastic. Uh, it stayed there for a few years. Yeah. Fantastic. So what ultimately yeah. happened with the space? Is, is it still, is the space itself still in existence? Um, yeah, it's a uh, part of, um, uh, it's, it's um, art and practice. Okay. And uh, uh, they acquired a number of those uh, storefronts along there, as well as other properties. Okay. And, uh, you know, Mark Bradford and company have done a tremendous job. And I've heard about that. Sort of revitalizing that community. Yes. Especially in terms of being a cultural space. Yes. Mm -hmm. Did the the Betty Sarr drawing survive? Do you know? I don't think so. Eventually, they remodeled the whole space. Oh, right. Okay. You wouldn't have to have any photographs of it anywhere, would you? I probably do. Okay. You know, I was just curious. They're not the slides, and you know what happens with slides if they don't get digitized, they get dusty and put away. I have a collection of slides (laughs) that are that fall into that category for sure. Right. (laughs) So I'm I moved on. I um I'd had enough of it. Um. And I moved to Sacramento, um, city and county, and uh, uh, got a studio in a warehouse and um, I said no to a lot of arts uh, organizations and um, leadership companies to just focus on my own studio practice. I see. Um, what, what drew you to Sacramento? Uh, I really needed to take a break from Brockman. Okay. Uh, uh, the, the, you know, I just, I, the only way to separate in a way was to, to physically leave, um, LA. Yeah. And, um, uh, it, it was, it was an interesting decision and, um, I had some success there and, you know, some challenges, but, um, it ultimately, you know, it's, it's, it was my way of, um, kind of separating yeah. um, <clears throat> and finding my own, my own path and, and my own, uh, uh, you know, realizing my own goals. I understand. And yeah. And I can see where, uh, and please tell me if I've got this right. Cause you're at the same time, you guys are running Brockman and you were teaching, but you're also an artist. I would imagine having those other things uh, took away at least some, some time, probably quite a bit it of time. It represented a, a conflict yeah. in, in many ways. And then um, uh, it, uh, I guess um, when, it, when I was in Los Angeles, so many of my um, associations would see me as a gallerist and not as an artist. Yes. And when I got to Sacramento, that label of gallerist was removed and I got to be uh, the working artist that uh, was my ultimate and current goal. Yes. I can see where that could be kind of a, li- a, a almost like um, a rebirth, if you will, right? I, In a way. I, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, and after Sacramento, I went, uh, I was fortunate enough to get a fellowship to the East West Center in Hawaii. Oh. And that opened me up to, uh, and and it was a art as an artist and it was like a painting fellowship. Yes. And that opened me up to um, the whole Pacific Rim and uh, a whole another slew of cultures and and uh, and peoples that uh, heretofore was not really aware of. <clears throat> so the Polynesian community, the 
New Zealand community as well as uh, the other Asian uh, countries and cultures. That's interesting because um, many years ago I was in um, New Zealand and I never really made the connection between the uh, Polynesian origin of the Maori people in there and, and Hawaii and all these other places. Uh, they kind of are spread out. It's not just limited to, to Hawaii. That For me, anyway, that was an eye-opening right. thing. Right. It's kind of interesting. How, how long were you uh, in Hawaii? Um, just under two years. Yeah. Yeah. And then from Hawaii, is that when you ended up where you are now or in that uh, general D.C. area? No. From Hawaii, I, um, I came back through Sacramento and um, got an opportunity as a visiting artist at the San Antonio Art Institute in uh, Texas. Oh, okay. And uh, so relocated there to uh, uh, artist residency space uh, and in a little place called Bernie and I commuted into the Art Institute to teach um, and worked there for a bit. Um, sort of climbing a ladder, became a dean uh, of the school um, and it had, it had financial problems and uh, uh, subsequently closed. But as that happened, I was invited to uh, a leadership position at the Memphis College of Art in Tennessee. And I took that and worked, um, worked nine years, nine and a half years. Um, and I would say seven of them were fruitful and the last two were tough. Um, and I uh, decided to step down. I had turned 60 years of age and just said, hey, it's time's up, time to redo this. Um, and make this art activity a full-time um, um, activity. So um, uh, really, I had a great studio space in, in Memphis, but I needed a change and um, moved to the Washington DC area in Maryland, um, where where I, I set up a studio in Baltimore for a while and then, um, uh, and then in, in this particular neighborhood when I was able to find a, an affordable space. Um, so I've had a practice here for uh, 20 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah that's, uh, I was born in D.C. myself and raised in Maryland, but near Silver Spring. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm really familiar with uh, the general yeah. area around there. I, I like this. Um, it sort of suits my kind of lifestyle. It's not not too intense, mm -hmm. um, and I can come and go pretty easily, especially as an older man now, I have th those issues to deal with in terms of, uh, uh, you know, just um, getting to work and continuing my practice. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about. So uh, your, your art for, for a minute or two. So as you look back on it, the evolution of you as an artist, um, what, what have you noticed yourself in terms of, you mentioned before you were attracted to landscapes and you started doing that early on. Um, how has your, how has your art evolved over the years in terms of well, subject it's, it's interesting, you know, uh, there were a couple of things we kind of skipped over. Uh, one, I went back after teaching at LAUSD, I went back to uh, 
to art school, graduate school. And so I went to Otis, oh. um, which is now Otis uh, College of Art and Design uh -huh. and um, recommitted to, uh, to art making. And uh, one of my instructors was Charles White. And um, we didn't always agree on everything, but he said a few things to me that stuck and um, um, have, have had a great influence on my current practice. And that, uh, you know, he said, Davis, you're all over the place. You need to focus. And one of the ways to do that is to work in a series. So um, my practice now has been to develop and work in a body of work um and um uh, let 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 all of those pieces sort of uh uh breed and feed off of each other so that they have um sort of a, a consistency and that i've uh, explored and pushed as far as i can um mm -hmm. in the direction that the, the those particular works are going um so um I would say, um, you know, one of the one of the current series I'm working on is a series of uh, pyramidic kind of images, and and I'm doing ten to fifteen uh, in in that process. Uh, and uh, and what's the trying to push that in as many directions as I can. Uh, um, interesting. And what what is the medium? Um, bamboo uh canvas or uh, uh uh burlap that uh has a sense of a rawhide quality suspended um and with uh also using led light behind the uh behind the bamboo so it uh, um it feels like it's uh, appears to levitate oh, um i had explored with um neon light i did a, a piece it's actually in the atlanta airport um uh, let's see where is it e8 in the international uh, uh section of the airport uh, a piece using bamboo uh, with neon and uh, um, a painted a mural uh looking out of an airplane window um in that uh, so anyway, I explored, uh, I've you know, explored using light. I've explored using natural material, and I continue to uh, incorporate painting uh, in the work. Yeah. Uh, interesting. And so, do you yeah. also do assemblage and that sort of thing, uh, or is it, or is it mostly, um, you know, two dimensional? It's, um, it's, it's. I would call it more in the line of relief, uh, mixed media. Okay. Uh, my brother's work is more assemblage than mine. It, it's more three-dimensional. Mine tends to be a wall piece with raised surfaces. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I like to think that it's meditative um, uh, and reflective work. Um, some of it is social consciousness. Um, um, I did a social justice piece a series of using police vests um, just based on an incident that had happened in this community. Um, mm. And I did a series during the um, uh, 
uh, Trump um, um, so-called leadership um, of this country. And, it, you know, there's like 10 mixed media collage pieces that uh, dealt with my, my attitude and, and, and uh, uh, sort of helped me survive the times, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I guess it's sort of my stamp of, of, on, uh, on the community. Yeah. I also did something that, um, uh, it was an offshoot of the Brockman experience. Um, uh, the murals had been a big part of Los Angeles. And, uh, uh, we did a number of uh, community murals and we had a, a nonprofit arm uh, towards the latter part of our uh, uh, gallery experience where we had a, a, a 501c3 organization called Brockman uh, Productions. And uh, <clears throat> we had uh, received grants to do murals in the Crenshaw area. Eventually did um, uh, the murals for the um, uh, Los Angeles 84 Olympics along the um, freeway system of the 110 and the Hollywood freeway. Yes. Sort of leading into the uh, Coliseum. And uh, it was um, a series of artists um, in LA primarily um, uh, that represented the diversity of the city and the diversity of uh, uh, aesthetic um, 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 approaches to art. So um, that was one of my sort of landmark um, uh, altruistic uh, <laughs> projects that, uh, <laughs> uh, that Mayor Bradley said, uh, this is a bodacious idea. <laughs> 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 and uh, we eventually got it approved through Caltrans. <laughs> and so, also many of them were painted out by Caltrans. So. I was going to ask you, did any of, <laughs> did any of them survive? What, what about, a few have survived. A few um, have, okay. Yeah. Do you know yeah. where those might be offhand? <laughs> uh, the one was by Judy Baca. It was restored um, under the bypass of Second Street. Um, none of the others along the 110 survived. Oh, no. So that's the sad. The Kent Ripple's ones were removed. Richard Wyatt was removed. Oh, no. And then there are about three or four that are on the Hollywood Freeway um, that still exist. Yeah. Oh, that's good to hear. It's sad to yeah. hear when they're Frank Romero, Linda Baltic. I'm trying to think of, uh, uh, and there are two others. Um, one is uh, John out of the uh, Richmond area. His uh, still there, and uh, most of them have uh, been retouched or um, restored, <clears throat> not necessarily from graffiti, but from dirt, dust, and grime. Oh, right. Um, the 110 ones. The graffiti was the uh, uh, the champion. <laughs> oh, wow. That's sad. That's so sad. <laughs> it's a reality. of. Uh, That's true. It's know, funny because I can remember, uh, I'm forgetting the artist now, but he was telling me that he did a mural and they discovered something they can coat the mural with to make it so that if it does get sprayed with graffiti, they can clean it without destroying what's underneath. I don't know. That sounds promising. If that's, um, if that's there accurate. is a, a material called graffiti guard. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, if 
you know, working on freeway is one thing and, <laughs> and working on it in a traditional site is another. So yeah, it's really hard to get to the freeway wall to remove the graffiti oh, right away. Of course. But we recently did uh, a fellow named Michael Massenberg, artist, <clears throat> stored the mural in, uh, at the Watchtowers Art Center. And um, uh, we used graffiti guard on the, on that surface after it was completed, um, and so that, that and that was it needs to be cleaned. And uh, if 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 there is graffiti, it can be removed uh, um, uh, rapidly. I, I'm so glad to hear that. And Michael, he's uh, he's a fabulous artist and a, and a person that actually recorded one of these uh, podcasts with us. Thankfully, in the yeah, you did one uh, with Michael, and uh, I think. Uh, Mark Greenfield had an interesting one. He yeah. was talking about um, um, going to LA High School and studying with uh, John Riddle. Yes, and uh, I was actually the master teacher to John. Well, he came to supervise, you know, observe my classes at Manuel's High School. Oh, okay. Um, so I helped him get his start. <laughs> I'm trying to do something for John now in his name at, at LA City College, which is where he got uh, well, uh, his inspiration. Why? Yeah. Why are you saying that? Because I, I want to trumpet that John. By the way, was one. Of, he and I, at the time of his death, were planning another exhibit, and it was, um, you know, it was really great to work with him. And one of the best experiences I've ever had was all the opportunities I had to to work with John. But just for all the listeners and viewers out there, uh, can you tell them how they can support this uh, John Riddle? Oh yeah, thing? sure. I'm glad uh, glad you asked. Uh, <clears throat> I've established a uh, a um, a goal of uh, an endowment in John's name. John's a sculptor um, uh, who is deceased now, but uh, <clears throat> uh, he graduated um, from uh, L.A. City College in their art de department and made his commitment to be an artist. And so uh, contributions can be made to LACC uh, Foundation in his name. <clears throat> and we're trying to set up um, uh, $20,000 uh, that can, uh, uh, for, for which the uh, interest can go back to uh, inspire other students, either through art supplies or travels or, um, needs to uh, uh, support their um, their studies as uh, young budding artists. Um, and that's the thing. I, I went to LA City and Dale went there. Okay. You know, you don't realize how influential um, a community college system can be in terms of making your transition into uh, uh, a four-year school or into um, a, a, a productive uh, citizen life. Yeah. That's fantastic. So would they uh, just contact the L.A. City College itself and go from there? Or? Yeah, L.A. City, um, Los Angeles City College uh, Foundation. Uh, okay, L.A. And, City College uh, Foundation. If they look up the John Riddle uh, sculpture, I mean John Riddle Scholarship Fund, um, they are able to make a contribution online. And let me urge everyone listening and viewing to, to do just that. And John, I should add, is... Um, was anyway at the time of his death and for a while before that the curator over at California African American Museum and his contribution uh, has been tremendous in, in the art field. I remember William Pajot telling me 
that if it weren't for John Riddle, he might still be painting um, fish and and cityscapes <laughs> and everything else. He, John, right. John right. helped him shift his focus a bit. So anyway, uh, all these things. And like you said, it's it's really pretty. I don't think a lot of folks might realize that uh, it's kind of expensive uh, buying materials that you need to use to create works with canvases and paints and things like that can kind of add up over time. So uh, and training expenses and so forth. So. Right. As, as Mark said in one of your interviews, it's uh, art is your passion and uh, uh, you might want to make a living uh, doing something else while you're feeding your passion. <laughs> exactly. And, and many artists I've talked to recommend that, I mean, for multiple reasons too, not just because of the money. I mean, it's like a way of staying true to your art. You so know, to speak. It's, it's true with uh, the arts in a way it's not, I guess not limited to, 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 to the visual artists, but uh, exactly. the number of actors who are great house painters <laughs> exactly. who've been, uh, who've been uh, sort of the smooth waiters at the restaurant where, oh. uh, yeah. you know, in between uh, gigs. Absolutely. You know? Driving a cab. I know, I know, I know, That's one, right. you know, That's I, right. I know an actor who did yeah. that uh, just to keep, yeah. keep, uh, keep uh, food on the table kind of a thing. So, um, what are you working on now? Uh, you mentioned before the series, and that sounds really interesting. Is there anything else artistically um, that you're Well, you know, um, um, I've been in this community for 20 years, so I have um, an exhibit scheduled um, at the Black Rock uh, Arts Center here in Maryland, um, Germantown, um, which is in um, Montgomery County. Uh, and will be uh, 20 years uh, uh, representative of a different series I've worked in as 20 years. Mm. So uh, from 2002 to 2022. And uh, so I'm completing a body of work for that, as well as working with uh, a young woman named Tamara Wright, um, who uh, will curate and make selections uh, from these various series for that uh, for that exhibition. Well, Interestingly right. enough, Tamara Wright is the daughter of a former high school student of mine named uh, Tommy Wright, who lives in uh, still lives in the Los Angeles uh, area. Oh my yeah. goodness, that's another, another small world moment, right? Small world. <laughs> <laughs> the cycle continues. Um, uh, so um, you know, I'm looking forward to um, uh, her decisions. Uh, <laughs> about what I think I should show. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. And so it's going to, so did I hear that right? It's going to be a retrospective basically over the past 20 years. Your well, 20 work. years, yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. So we can all look forward to that. Will there be a, a catalog with it or? Um, there will probably be a, a small publication. Okay. Um, and we will also do a, a, a Zoom uh, conversation. <clears throat> and um, uh, try to make it uh, as virtual as possible. Uh, yeah. it, it, these times, you just yeah we have, we're in such an interesting shift in times. Yes, indeed. As, as you and I are doing this over Zoom. Yes, um, it might it might have been something that we did uh, 15, 20 years ago, just in person with an audience. Um, yes. Um, <clears throat> so you know, hopefully this. Um, uh, uh, well, the, this new technology makes this uh, available to audiences heretofore um, 
uh, could not be seen. I think that's one of the bonuses, what you just said, yeah. because oftentimes yeah. if it was just an, in attendance only, unless you were physically at the spot, you, you would be that's missing right. it. Uh, yeah. I've heard uh, folks with doing other Zoom sort of conferences tell me that people even overseas were tuning in and that, that, that wouldn't have been possible before. Uh, that's so right. That's like a nice, uh, a nice bonus. I have to say before the pandemic, I, I, I never participated in a Zoom uh, prior to 2019 or so, I didn't even came for me. Yeah. yeah, I had only heard about it, but I never actually participated in it. And now it's kind of commonplace. Meetings are held that way, and so on. Yeah. Well, I think we were dependent on uh, traditional press. Um, I know with the Olympics, I, my biggest thrill was somebody had seen uh, on television uh, the murals in Japan, and someone had seen it in. Uh, Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that was my Zoom <laughs> sort of experience. But now, um, uh, you know, you and I can do this kind of broadcast from uh, Los Angeles to um, to Maryland. And um, uh, and actually, you're in, in what community now? The, uh, so I'm in Fullerton. I, I started. Fullerton, yeah. 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 <laughs> so in fact, uh, why the space is really easy walking distance to Cal State Fullerton. Okay. If wow. That, if that helps. Yeah. 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 The building. You were in Santa Monica. I was in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, you know, so we've sort of moved around some interesting geography. You grew up in this neighborhood or area. And, yeah. Uh, uh, for me, I, I never thought I would move to this area. And, you know, my dad grew up in this area. So I ended up with um, relatives that, um, um, you know, I didn't see that often. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. We kind of switched places. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, so you were, so you do have relatives in, in that immediate area uh, that you yeah. were connected yeah. oh, that, that's, yeah. that's outstanding. Yeah. I, uh, I still have, uh, some family back there as well. Is there anything else that you that you're working on, by the way, um, that uh, we should be on the lookout for, whether it's art or anything else? Well, I, you know, I have, um, I have a website that I'd like to refer people to that's um, Alonzo Davis Studios, uh, plural, um, dot com. Okay. Um, and then I have an Instagram, Alonzo Davis Artists, where I'm constantly posting um, <clears throat> works in progress or um, uh, events or uh, uh, things related. So I'm sort of enjoying the outreach of this new technology and uh, exploring the various ways that uh, um, I can find myself in front of uh, uh, audiences that I'd hear it for um, and didn't have access to. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. So uh, everybody, please uh, tune in uh, when you get the chance. Uh, can you tell us that one more time just for the, uh, for the listening? Sure. Uh, Alonzo Davis studios.com and uh, Instagram is Alonzo Davis studio. And uh, you can find me in my work uh, and an update on the things that I'm involved in uh, using those two. Um, and, oh, yeah, and I do have a few things on Zoom. Um, so if you do Alonzo Davis Artists on Zoom, you can find uh, a couple of projects uh, uh, that I've explored uh, with the video as well. Excellent. And plus, I, I really like the idea that you just mentioned about Works in progress. I, I think that's kind of a unique thing. That's, I think it's kind of cool for, for people 
watching an artist uh, develop the, the, the work of art and see it at, a, at an earlier stage than before it's finished. Yeah, I like to, um, I like to um, post process and finish. Yeah. Um, uh, that's kind of fun uh, that you can uh, revisit and see something that you think is going in the right direction. And then the next thing you know, it's a little different. Yeah. And then sometimes I have to eliminate those works that are put in progress <laughs> because they no longer relate to the final solution. But, uh, <laughs> well, I think that's fascinating to get an insight yeah. into the process. Yeah. Uh, that's really cool. I, I urge everybody listening and viewing to, uh, to check those out, the Instagram and the uh, website, as well as the Zoom. You know, the, you know, coming from a teaching background, I, I don't teach anymore and I, and I'm, I don't want to do it anymore. And, um, but what's ended up happening is that um, uh, I've taken on uh, studio assistants um, and some of them have been uh, really good learners or, uh, or finding their way between their um, um, the education laps, I would call it. Um, so between grad school or just after grad school, they need to work, but they want to work in the arts. They'd like to work with an artist and so forth. Yes. And so um, uh, I continue to uh, sort of mentor or um, encourage um, uh, people who, who have skills. Um, sometimes those skills enhance my needs, especially with uh, technology. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and then I'm able to bring to them um, a little cash flow and um, uh, uh, um, uh, sort of uh, artist talk and uh, art influence and experiences. So I've got one uh, young lady who just finished a community college effort and has moved to um, Norway. And uh, there's an arts academy there that uh, she will be attending. Uh, another young lady uh, is in an exchange program in Japan. Uh, Amy Chirol, uh, who did the uh, Michelle Obama portrait, oh, yes. mm-hmm. work with me in Baltimore. Another guy in Philly, Clay's Gabriel, who's a sculptor, worked with me uh, in, um, in Baltimore and then uh, a uh, guy named uh, um, um, Bob, uh, it was Bob, all of a sudden I dropped Bob's last name. But, uh, <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Bob has become uh, an art restorator and uh, uh, has been doing uh, restoration artworks um, around the United States. And um, so different people have been able to find their way into uh, various segments. Uh, Kia Paxton is with me now in the studio and uh, she's doing uh, mosaics uh, and just beginning to explore that world. Um, and um, it's kind of an interesting, it's, the, the process has been finding people who want to learn in different ways um, and or uh, learn through and by working. So beyond sort of theory and classroom assignments, they yes. uh, are taking their own wings and finding a way to uh, um, 
you know, follow this process. I think that's fantastic. And it's such an important part of it. Like you said, theory is great, but the practical application is also great as well. And 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 that you're doing that, I think is, is provides a great resource to the folks uh, who need it the most, the ones that are needing that extra mentorship or not extra, just mentorship. (laughs) Yeah. Before you go, I just wanted to ask about those pieces hanging in the background. Uh, are those uh, things that you did? No, those are actually things that I've collected from friends and uh, associates. One is by a guy uh, who's a retired professor uh, from Howard who now lives in uh, uh, New Mexico. And his is kind of a ritualistic uh, kind of sheltered-like uh, piece that I've I met him at an artist retreat in Virginia called the Virginia Center for the Creative Arts. And oh. uh, we connected and uh, have had um, uh, a lasting friendship. Yeah. It's very nice. Yeah, very, very nice. Well, listen, Alonzo, I want to thank you so much uh, for joining us today um, and uh, sharing your perspective. And uh, I greatly appreciate it. I'm sure the listeners and viewers uh, do as well. So, Uh, Everyone out there, thanks for tuning in, and um, don't forget to subscribe. And thank you for uh, what you're doing with this series of uh, interviews. Um, I found them quite interesting, and uh, uh, it's important that we document uh, our culture as well. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And that's our goal, too, as a matter of fact. So I really appreciate it. All right. All right. Thanks. (laughs) 